This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. We're continuing our series, Emotions, Let's Not Be Deceived. And we've set it up, and we're going to be specific now throughout this series. And this morning's message has to do with the subject of guilt. Guilt and our emotions. Now, as a child of God, when we sin, we have, I believe, the right terminology is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not to be confused with the conviction that a person comes under just prior to salvation. There's a convicting work of the Holy Spirit, and he's not angry because he's not surprised. How do you anger an all-knowing God? He knew everything you and I would do, everything we would even think before he created the heavens and the earth. So, you and I, when we sin as children of God, we have this feeling of guilt. And we associate this feeling of guilt the same way when we feel guilty with human beings, starting with mom and dad. And a lot of times we're met with the wrath of man, not the wrath of God, but the wrath of man in this uh, whole issue of guilt and feeling guilty. Now, for someone who's never prayed to receive Christ, asking Christ to come into their heart, some, someone who's not born again, they come under this conviction of the Holy Spirit. They began to feel guilty about the fact that apparently I don't measure up to the expectations of God. And so there's this uneasy feeling inside that something is wrong with me. And then someone gives them a gospel track or someone faithfully uh, comes alongside them and to make them feel comfortable and then move towards sharing the gospel message with them. And they begin to realize that the answer to what I feel, and it is a feeling, it is the work and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, the answer to it is Christ Jesus. And then they begin to share the message of the cross, the fact that Jesus Christ shed his blood and that the only way I can get into heaven and the only way I can get peace with God is through the blood, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why people, when they genuinely are born again, there is like this weightiness on them. It's just like their spirit is lifted. It's just lifted up. Matter of fact, sometimes we see brand new Christians who do not even know where Genesis or the Revelation is, and we think, I think they're happier than me. That is true uh, across our nation in most every church. It's because it's fresh. It's brand new. What they felt in their emotions, though they do not understand it all, they felt what Bunyan said. It's like this burden has been rolled away from me. You remember that experience in your own life? When you came under this sense of conviction that made you feel guilty, and then someone gave you the answer, you believed, you received, the Spirit of God came into you. Now you're no longer alienated from God. You have peace with God. God. That is the answer ultimately to all guilt. Whether it's guilt between what you feel between you and God or the guilt that you might feel in your relationships with others or even false guilt that someone may have projected on you, especially from your childhood. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. And so number one is this, the fact of guilt. 
When you read the Bible, you will find that the main message all through the Bible is the story of the redemption of mankind back to God. There's a red lining, as it said, all through the Scripture, the blood of Christ, that points all of us, as we read Old and New Testament, it points us to the person of Jesus Christ who took upon himself our sins and died out with it, paying the price. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 uh, says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we come into this world, according to Scripture, we come into this world alienated from God. The Bible even says we're enemies of God. Ephesians 2 says that we're children of the disobedient one. Uh, we are sons and daughters of Satan. I know that's hard to think of, especially when you think of a little baby coming into the world. But I believe uh, God covers them to the age of accountability. But there comes a day when they know that I have fallen short. They may not use that terminology, but in their mind and in their emotions, they feel this divide, this separation from God. But they also feel this expectation from God. And they don't know what to do with what they feel. And we're going to talk about those things in a few moments. And so all of us have gone through this at some point, this sense of I'm undone. You see, our spirit is where our conscience is. And our conscience is like a window to our soul. And so the Holy Spirit does a convicting work upon us. And what he does in our conscience, he makes us sense this alienation, this conviction uh, that we have. And because of this, man is guilt-ridden. All around us, people are guilt-ridden. But let's remember what the Scripture says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory uh, of God. Now, back in the Old Testament, we just sang about Mount Calvary. That's where Jesus died on the cross. But back in the Old Testament, there was Mount Sinai. And it was from Mount Sinai that Moses came down with the tablets that God had written the Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments from God were used by God to bring about a sense of guilt to the people. When they read the Ten Commandments and they realized, oh my goodness, I don't measure up. I fall Short, and that's the reason God gave the Mosaic Law to Israel. Now, you might say, well, I thought that uh, Old Testament law, I thought that was for the Jews. Well, it's also for the Gentiles. Everybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. Look at Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. Listen to what Paul says here about that issue, about the law for the Jews and the Gentiles. Paul says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law, listen to this, written in what? Their hearts. Their, look at the word, conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else 
defending them. And so all of mankind has this feeling, this guilt-ridden feeling within them, and it's because God has made that happen so that it would draw us to Him. So we see that God has written into the heart of every person His law of holiness and righteousness. And I believe even with an atheist, I believe with anybody, deep in their heart, they know there is a God, and I believe deep in their heart, they're having to suppress what God has written in their heart about Himself, this feeling of, I have fallen short of this, God has written that in the heart of man. Back in the Old Testament, there was the Day of Atonement. And on that Day uh, of Atonement, uh, and we can see about this, even though this is from the Old Testament, you can see the teaching in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. But back in those uh, Old Testament days, on the Day of Atonement, uh, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he'd sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And he would do this once a year, Day of Atonement, and he would do this for the sins of Israel. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 10, 1 and 2. For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, in other words, the law shows what God is doing, what God's going to do. When we read the law, and when we read the Old Testament, we can see that it's talking about something to come. There's a Messiah to come. We know it's Jesus. So, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have had consciousness of sins. And so, the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, where they would kill the animals. You've read about this when you were a kid. You've seen the pictures in the picture books. It could not give forgiveness of sin. What it was designed to do was to remind the people that they were guilty. Because Jesus Christ coming paid for what all sins once for all. Amen? And so this sacrificial system was also a reminder, just like the Mosaic Law, it was a reminder that I'm guilty. And so the high priest, he would take a goat, cut his throat, he'd take that blood, go into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. That's where the mercy seat was on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And so he'd put that blood on the mercy seat, and you had that Shekinah glory of God, the manifestation of God, just above that mercy seat in the Ark of the Covenant. And then that blood was a foreshadowing that one day Jesus Christ would shed His blood for all sins. And so that was what people in the Old Testament, that is what they experienced back in those days. And so there was always this sense of guilty feeling deep inside. And so, it didn't last permanently. Twelve months, he was back in there doing the same thing again. So people would sin not long after the Day of Atonement. And so all year long, they, they had this feeling of my sins are just building and building and building, and I can't wait for the Day of Atonement where the sins of Israel will be dealt with at the mercy seat with the high priest. And then 
they would have a great celebration. <laughs> Before the day was over, they had begun to feel these same things again. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verses 3 and 4. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. Verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So all these things they were doing was a type. It was a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do one time for all. So if you can imagine living back in those days, there was always this sense of guiltiness before a holy God. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 10 through 12. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body, not of goats, not of bulls, offering of the body of Jesus Christ one time for how many sins? All sins. Now, hang on to that. I know this is a little bit laborious, but hang on to that. Because all issues of guilt that you could ever have can all be the solution is what we're talking about right now, the once and all gift from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 11, Hebrews 10, And every priest stands daily, ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Verse 12, But he, talking about Jesus, having offered one sacrifice, for sins, for all time, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. Now, that is a picture of when the priest would take that blood and put it on the mercy seat, and the people would watch, and when the priest would come out, having done his priestly duties, he would always sit down. And when he would sit down, the people would celebrate. Why? Because that meant the work for them for taking care of their sins, was done. And so when Jesus had finished his work, we know that he was crucified on Mount Calvary, he was buried in the tomb, and on the third day he was raised again, and then from the Mount of Olives, and some of us have been there, to this very area, he ascended to heaven, and the Bible says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. What it is saying is this, it is Finished all sins from Adam to the last person who will ever live has been dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen? It is finished. It is over. That has to be the bedrock. That has to be the mindset when it comes to these feelings of guilt that we all have. Now, we're going to get more specific into that, but that is foundational way to see things. You see, what happened, it, this all started in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, they hid themselves from God. Why? They felt what? Guilty. What did God do? He moved toward them. They did not move toward Him. They ran and tried to hide from His presence. People all around you, maybe you're dealing with it this morning. People in your family may be dealing with it. People at work. People are all over this globe, no matter what country, there's this guilt-ridden feeling that they can't explain, and they'll never be relieved from it until they see Jesus Christ and what He's done for all of mankind. And so, 
We all have had these feelings, and people have these feelings. And so, Hebrews 10, 17 says, And their sins and their lawless deeds I will what? Remember no more. And so, that's the picture that you see in the Old Testament. And it was a foreshadowing. It was a form of what was coming with Jesus Christ. But as the years progressed, the Israelite became so miserable because of his guilt that he could not wait for the Day of Atonement to arrive. So, uh, what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden when they sinned, they hid from God. The Bible says that he moved toward them in the cool of the day. And the Bible says that they knew they were naked. They felt guilty. They were hiding from God. And God killed an animal. He had to shed the blood to kill the animal. And he took those skins and put a covering on Adam and Eve. That is a picture of the covering of sin. But it was a temporary covering. You think about it. The animals back in the Old Testament, those animals that the priest had to do all of these sacrifices that they did back in the Old Testament, those animals had to be tied up. Those animals had to be taken and slaughtered. Those animals did not go willingly. They were kicking and screaming. But they still were cut, they died, and they were used uh, in offerings. But now you think about Jesus, and we know him as the Lamb of what? God. He went willingly. In the Garden of Gethsemane, remember what he said? Not my will, but thine be done. He could have called down legions of angels and stopped the whole scene. But he willingly, voluntarily laid down his life for us. And so when we think about the fact of guilt. The first thing we think about is the fact of guilt that involves God. Now, there's also another uh, thing that we need to look at here is not only the fact of guilt that involves God, but also the fact of guilt. Now, let's move it to our relationships right here. Don't forget that scenario I just laid out here. Now, let's move towards human beings. Let's move towards time. Let's move towards the day in which we live. What about these guilty feelings involving others? You see, there is also the guilt that we feel when we sin against someone. We feel as though there is a wall that has been built between them. There is not a literal wall. There is an emotional feeling wall between us and someone else. And so many times... The one who is the offender forgets that he or she is the one who built the wall. It may have been something that started long ago all the way back to even your childhood. See, sometimes people know they offend, and sometimes people don't know they offend. This goes back to our childhood. This is what I really want us to look at here. If there is, has been a lot of offense in your life when you were a boy or girl, or in those crucial teenage years, and that you have just been hurt by someone, maybe a mom or a dad or, or someone, maybe a schoolmate, and you've just been hurt and you were offended and it was really never dealt with because you didn't even know how and you didn't know the teaching of the Bible, that probably developed a wall within you that causes your present tense relationships 
to just simply not happen. And listen, the same answer to that is the same answer to what all of us felt before we were saved. That feeling of conviction, that feeling of guilt involving God, we can also have that same feeling in our relationships with other people, and the answer to both is the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen? You say, make that plain. Okay, I think I can. How many sins did Jesus die for? We just read that in Hebrews, right? Even the sins that people commit against you, provision has been made. So this is the only thing you can do. It's the only thing I can do. Just simply forgive and move on. We can know this, and I've been knowing this for years. The hang-up for me, and I'm sure many of us and most, it's not that I don't know that all sins were paid for. I don't have a right to hold something over someone else's head. But in my emotions, it's almost as if I can't. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever been so hurt that you knew this truth, but you say, how am I going to experience it in my daily living, spirit, soul, and body? And there's only one way, my friend. It's with the same childlike trust and faith that you believe that the blood of Christ cleanses you from all sins. He's also made provision for anything anybody will ever do to you, and you have to also rest in that by faith and just move on. Amen? That is the whole reason for this series, is trying to say, theologically we know what the Bible says about sin and the remedy, but emotionally, it's like the phantom of guilt. It can still be there. And so that is the fact of guilt involving God, involving others. Now, also, we've already touched on it, but also have a, a point here involving yourself. Now, I want to get a little more specific here. All right. There can be a false sense of guilt that you have. You can feel guilty inside, but you're not guilty about anything. It's been projected onto you. There's many examples. Here's one. You can feel a lot of children, when their mom and dad go through a divorce, they feel responsible. If you say, well, why do you feel responsible? I don't know. But notice the word they're using. I feel responsible. It's a feeling. But they're not guilty for their mom and dad's divorce. Their mom and dad are guilty for their divorce. But they feel it. That's what's called overt forms of rejection and a feeling of guilt that's been projected onto you by other people and you're not guilty, but you so feel guilty for so long that it feels very real and you don't know what to do about it and you can just be stuck. That is false guilt. Remember, 1 John 1, 7 says, the blood of Jesus his son cleanses, and you can take that word cleanses, you can do a little research. It's, it's talking about goes on cleansing, goes on cleansing us from some sins, all sins. And so if you'll rest on that, you say, I don't think that I should feel guilty for what happened to my mom and dad or, or something else, but I feel guilty as if I did it. The answer is still going to be, but Jesus Christ paid it all. Once 
for all. And so, this fact of guilt involving yourself, there's the issue of false guilt. And then there's also the issue of the revealing of the Holy Spirit. God is lovingly revealing sin to you by His indwelling Spirit. My friend, listen. If you can live in sin and feel nothing, no guilt, I love you, so listen. You need to question your own salvation. You say, I don't feel anything. More than likely, you're not a child of God because the Holy Spirit lovingly chastens those whom are His. And that chastening is not Him standing up with a bullwhip with an angry face beating you down because He's already beaten Christ in a sense, burned out His wrath in Christ on the cross. That's already happened 2,000 years ago. And so when you sin, you feel the loving but convicting, illuminating work of the Holy Spirit in your life that you have sinned. Now, there's one other little thing when you think of the fact of guilt involving yourself, not only the false guilt that can be projected onto you, but also when the Holy Spirit is convicting you uh, of, of the sin that you have. But there's one more. is when Satan is accusing you. And you have to be careful with that one because Satan can only be at one place at a time. He's not God. He's not omnipresent. But he has legions of demons. But the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. But I want you to notice where Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Notice this. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them, listen to this, before God day and night. Somehow Satan stands before the Lord and he accuses the brethren. Do not forsake the gathering of the brethren together. The brethren is the believers in Christ. And he accuses us before God day and night. But you know what's so wonderful? Remember who ascended from the Mount of Olives. Remember who sat down at the right hand of the Father. And He's there in heaven with what kind of hands? Nail, pierced, hands. For some sins or all sins. <laughs> so there He is. He is our mediator. He's there forever to make intercession. So Satan really is, as Vance Haven used to say, sailing a sinking ship. It is finished. Amen? Now, some people are so worried. They get off into the teaching of the total depravity of man, and man is totally depraved. Without using the terminology, I just explained it at the very beginning of the message. They get so focused on total depravity that they're hypersensitive to the teaching of grace. You're going to make them think that they're saved or you're going to make them think that they have a license to do whatever they want to do. No, 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 no. No. We have to tell the truth of the Word of God. If there's one thing that has held back Christianity for many, many years, and it is this, the whole truth of the gospel message not being shared. And so we know that we do have 
Satan in heaven, accusing the brethren day and night. But he's sitting there having to to look at the nail-scarred hands of Jesus who pleads his blood for our sin. That is the fact of guilt. Second thing is this. What about the effects of guilt? Mankind is guilt-ridden. Believers, once they're saved, hallelujah. Oh, my goodness, look what I just said or did. Conviction and guilt. All that's going on. What about the effects of guilt? If a person doesn't see this full picture of what Christ has done for all sin, this guilt that they feel, they don't know what to do with it, even if it's false guilt or real guilt from sin. They don't know what to do with what they feel. It's the emotions. This is what some things that we all do. One is pleasure-seeking. Trying to somehow to cope with what I feel, I seek pleasure. But this is the thing. What you've done is always right here. And so you feel guilty inside. You feel guilty. And so you try to distract yourself and enter into pleasurable things so I won't, this won't keep bothering me. But whenever you finish your pleasure, oh my goodness, it's still there. It just does not work. A second thing is this, and you know that pleasure-seeking because of guilty feelings. I know God has blessed this nation. We're a wealthy nation, but some of that wealth comes from people trying to escape their guilt. And marketers, somehow, it's almost like they've tapped into it. And they tell us all these things we need, and it's like we're in a constant state from media and our eyes and ears to do this, look like this, go here, walk like that, know them, trying to deal with what I feel. So there's pleasure seeking. There's also chemical dependence. Drugs, whether legal or illegal, alcohol, trying to deaden the conscience. Remember. The conscience is like a window to our soul, and that's where the Holy Spirit works. But these things, these substitutes, gives us a full feeling of contentment and joy, but it's temporary and causes sickness, headaches, and leads to addictions. And then a person becomes a workaholic. And you know, you can get a lot of acclaim for being a workaholic but it's devastating to your family and it's devastating to your spiritual life. Trying to silence a guilty conscience by more work. Sometimes, listen to this, you'll even detect some people are working so relentlessly hard that they're punishing themselves for the guilt that they feel because they don't know the full message of what Christ did. For all sin. And so they punish themselves. They're trying to pay back for wrong done. They're trying to regain maybe credibility somehow with someone. And so they're workaholics. They're trying to deal with something they feel deep inside. Martin Luther. Before he knew the just shall live by faith. Before he knew that. He was so hard on himself. He whipped himself with whips. He slept in a bed that was embedded with thorns. and small rocks, so that he was trying to stay in a state of not being comfortable because in his emotions he thought this was appeasing God. And he was bypassing 
the blood of Christ. And he didn't even know it until he read from Romans and he understood the just shall live by faith. And that's when the great reformation started out. So there's pleasure seeking. I'm trying to escape what I feel. Chemical dependence. I'm trying to escape what I feel. Workaholic. I'm trying to escape what I feel. Restlessness. A child of God may react to guilt in the same way an unsaved man reacts. Guilt can produce feverish activity or a restlessness that puts God out of the picture. The, listen, this restlessness can be a way to deaden the conviction of the Word of God in the conscience. Have you ever been with someone that just can't be still? They could. Now, you think, I wish I had your energy. Well, maybe you need to say, I wish I had your psyche. And no, you don't want that. Some people can't be still. Some people are restless. It's because they they don't know what to do with what they feel in their emotions. And it's like in orphanages when moms have abandoned their baby or whatever. And there's so many children in an orphanages, there is absolutely no way these children can be held and rocked and cared for perfectly. Because the women who work at the orphanage and their assistants, there's just too many kids. And, and so these kids, they're fed. Their diapers are changed. They're set over. Fed. Diapers changed. Set over. And these kids, month after month, having no mom to hold and to care for them and to love them, they begin to rock themselves. They begin, instead of being rocked, held and loved and cared for, they begin to rock themselves. Listen, not knowing what to do with your emotions. Pleasure-seeking, rocking yourself. Chemical dependence, rocking yourself. Workaholic, rocking yourself. Restlessness, rocking yourself. And then feeling like an absolute failure. A person who's in this, the effects of this guilt, makes people feel like a failure. And when people feel like a failure, they will literally cause themselves to be a failure emotionally. They're sabotaged they're, what they're capable of in God's will and plan for their life. And then fatigue. A person who doesn't know how to see guilt, they begin to experience forgetfulness and bodily tension. The mind is so weighed down with the memories of sins committed or maybe a false sense of guilt that they're just absolutely worn out. They can sleep 12 hours, get up and tell everybody, I am worn out. Just worn out. And then, this is a big one that I see. And it's happening with our teenagers. So teenagers, listen up if you're here. Self-hatred. Teenagers carving themselves with knives, cutting themselves. We used to hear about that in Europe. I remember clearly. I was still on staff at Bellevue Baptist when I first heard about people cutting themselves. And it was Europe. My friend, it's hardly a month go by that I don't hear someone say, my daughter's cutting herself. We're horrified. We don't know why. It's what we're talking about this morning. A feeling of being good for nothing, unworthy of blessing, trying somehow to divert what God's punishment would be. You know, there are people in other countries that literally each year allow people to nail them to a cross for not till death, but for a number of hours. I never will forget when I was in seminary, one of the seminary students, he just was so 
bound up in his emotions that someone offered him a brand new suit and he wouldn't take it. He wouldn't take the suit. And he needed a suit. He wouldn't take it. And I talked to him, I remember right around the Christmas holidays, we talked on the parking lot and it was cold. I said, why don't you take this suit? You really need one. He said, well, I don't have to have that. Somebody else could be better than me. And you know what? He had two teenage girls at that time. And he had that same mindset, emotional makeup, while he was in seminary, studying the Word of God, learning how to preach. And he was so worried that those daughters were going to hurt him as a preacher. They were going to do something that made him look bad. He projected onto those two girls false guilt. And they became what he believed they might do. It's a huge thing and it's so saddening. Then there's insecurity. I don't know. I just feel insecure with God. He's angry with me. It's like there's a distance. I feel insecure with other people. It's just insecurity. What do they know about me? Am I going to be found out? And then an insecurity with yourself. I can't trust my own judgment anymore. All this happens, can happen to a child of God who does not know the teaching of the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross and does not know not only the judicial teaching of it, but the practical teaching of it, day-to-day living in our personal lives or relationships and our ongoing communion with God. Last thing is this. What's the solution to this? Openness before God. Sit before the Lord, remembering He shed His blood for all sin once for all time. Sit before the Lord. When you're feeling these feelings and you don't know how to stop the cycle you're in, just sit before the Lord and remember He shed His blood for sin one time and for all sin. Ask those people you have sinned against to forgive you and make restitution if your sin has caused them to lose something. And then forgive those who have sinned against you, remembering Jesus died for their sins too. So, sit before the Lord and open yourself up to Him with these thoughts. And then, choose. When I get up, I'm going to walk in absolute reliance on God. Rely on His Holy Spirit who lives in you. Obey the smallest promptings of His Spirit. God will renew your mind. God will begin to change you into the image of His Son, Jesus. You don't have to figure it all out because it can be complicated. It can be like a complicated web. Just simply be who you already are in Christ Jesus, and trust Him to grow you up in all these things like a barnacle on a ship drop off of you as you see the full forgiveness that you have in Christ and the provision that's been made to others who have hurt you. And so those are some very practical ways to deal with this whole issue of guilt. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.